Hello and welcome to Matt Hoss Thoughts of Equally Likes. Today's episode is an absolutely special one for me. I'm interviewing the Scream Females, and we have a nice long chat for about an hour between the three of them. It's an absolute joy, and it's one of my favourite episodes of this podcast. Uh, if you enjoy this podcast, why don't you give us five stars on iTunes and tell your friends about it. That's the only way we can grow and expand. And if you enjoy it, you can tweet at us at Matt Hoss Talks on Twitter. And you can follow me, Matt Hoss Comedy, on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitch. Enjoy the episode. Matt Hoss talks to people he likes. Matt Hoss talks to people he likes. Matt Hoss talks to people he likes. And today, he's talking to you. Hear what people say, and I'll bring you great content. We're welcoming you. Hello, and welcome to Matt Hoss Talks of Beefly Likes. Today is an incredibly special episode. I'm interviewing Screaming Females, and we have vocalist and guitarist Marissa. Hello, I'm Marissa. And we have bassist King Mike. Hi. And on drums, Jarrett. That's me. And uh, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, and obviously, we're recording during lockdown. How have you guys been finding it so far? It kind of sucks. Yeah, to say it lightly, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty yeah. similar to my normal life. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, especially it's like creative people. Like, uh, I, uh, when we first went into it, I was very much like, well, I just have a lot more free time now. It's great. Uh, yeah, I, well, I don't like it really. I'd mm-hmm. like to go on tour but or mm-hmm. play a show, but everything else is like my normal life. Nothing has changed. <laughs> Have you been still kind of performing as a band or have you been rehearsing or has it just put a total stop for that? Yeah, we're 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 in a stay at home order, so I think it's not really legal because we live in different states, so I don't think it's legal for us to have band practice right now. Well, yeah, Plus we that, want to be responsible and safe and you know uh, yeah, lower and our risk. Mike and oh. I live in one of the states that's been the hardest hit, so uh, just to clarify, I didn't mean like online practice as a like a free oh, like, Yeah, uh, yeah I, I assume not, but I, I wouldn't know what the process would be. Oh, I don't know either. I've seen they make app, yeah, they make like an app for it to deals with all the like weird latency and stuff that would cause massive issues with trying to actually play together. But the latency seems like obviously it's a big hurdle, but then there's the other hurdles of like, uh, I don't know, how do you play drums through a computer and hear yeah. other yeah. people? I don't even have drums in my house. This is the longest in, uh, you know, uh, probably more than 15 years that I've gone without playing a drum set. So I play that's... them every day. That makes you feel better. No, it makes me feel <laughs> worse. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Because they know they're, they're like maybe if they were destroyed in a fire or something, and I was just like, oh, they just don't exist. But knowing that they are somewhere, two, yeah, there's two hours away, and that they're, they're just there. I'm giving them some love, playing. I know, so I don't bad. really mean that. You massage the symbols before I'm you hit. Stop. I shine the, I shine them. Don't shine them. I like them unshined. I, I would never do anything near drums except for the sticks. Um. So you mentioned that you guys are from, uh, you live in three different states. So when it's two, not, two different states, two different states, Where, uh, which states is it? New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Jared okay. lives in Philadelphia, which like honestly is part of New Jersey because the rest yeah. of Pennsylvania is kind of whack. So we, 
Pennsylvania. Philadelphia is ours. Yeah, it's literally just over the river, so it's like, you know, I'm I'm 20 minutes from New Jersey, okay. and most yeah. of that is uh, trying to just navigate the traffic out of the city. So, <laughs> so yeah, because uh, uh, in, in my head, we say like different states. I'm like, oh my god, you have to like like travel hours to see each other as well. <laughs> but but um, yeah, so. Uh, I, I guess um, it must be quite hard. Uh, like, um, miss, what's the thing that you miss most about uh, live shows as well? Obviously, I guess like a lot of tour shows have been cancelled. What's the thing you miss the most? A sense of purpose is what I miss the most. Um, like, yeah, you know, my to, feels, when we're on tour, it feels good to wake up every day and know that we have a place to be and a thing to do. And I'm not really good at directing my own time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I miss the most. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's been, it's been, uh, yeah, I think Mike's sense of purpose thing is really important. You know, uh, we've, we've done this project so long and it's taken up so much of our, our lives, but it's not a, it's not like against our will. It's something that we really, really wanted to do. You know, it's not like we just mm-hmm. been at the same office for 15 years and you go in just because you know that the paycheck's there. It's like, yeah, this is, this is, encompassed our entire lives like everyone we know and like our whole lives are just built around the life that we've built via screaming females you know so having that torn away is uh is and, difficult on many levels and it happens so instantly as well um especially because i say uh, in the comedy industry uh, in the uk it's just like it's the first thing to go and uh, and as you say there was like a lack of purpose right away and uh, and a lot of people have been scrabbling to do a lot of online stuff and 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 stuff like that. Have you uh, have you been looking to do anything like solo projects online, or, or how have you been filling the time if if you have? We've been doing uh, a few kind of remote collaborations, mm-hmm. sending tracks back and forth to one another, and we've been releasing them to like directly to our fans via our website. Um. But it's just not the same as playing yeah. room. But it's yeah, good. so we've been keeping busy. We've been playing music, which is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and it also, it was important. I think we had, I think early on, we kind of had, uh, at least I did, like a little crisis of like, what does it mean to be screaming females when we can't tour and we can't even get in a room and practice together? And at some level, it occurred to me that you know, it sounds so simplistic, but the thing that we are able to do that enough people consider important, that's the reason we've been able to do this so long on the level we have is because it's entertaining to people. So I kind of like re-envisioned and rethought like, how can we still provide a little bit of joy and entertainment to people even without the normal avenues that we are able to do that? So just the other day we released uh, some archival live footage that we had that yes. was shot really, really well and recorded really well. And we just, you know, called up our friend who shot that footage and it's like, Hey man, do you still have those files anywhere? And he like re he like put it together. It was never edited and we released that. And it's not, it's not some marketing campaign or something. It's literally yeah. just because I was trying, we were trying to think of ways that we can still, engage with people and provide that thing that obviously enough people have found important that it's you know allowed us to do all these amazing things over the years so you should revive your podcast (laughs) what podcast is this yeah i I don't know i don't know if the podcast is uh 
in the works right now. Jared had a really good interview podcast, very in-depth interviews with cool, meaningful musicians. Well, can you not like uh, step off my turf, please? You know, like, uh, like uh, <laughs> don't, don't need any competition here, mate. There's too many podcasts out there at the moment, anyway. I know. I was early. I was early in. This is like this is like seven years ago now. <laughs> oh my god, that's like in podcast terms, that's like the the Stone Age, essentially. I know. It was just like <laughs> me and Mark Marin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the two big hitters. That's uh, the only two podcasts you should listen to, really. Uh, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah, and uh, I, I did watch that live. Um, that, uh, that that show and it was like it was so it's it's so surreal to even watch like footage like just people yeah like it's like watching people like together in a room like like oh what is this magical thing like i've been watching netflix recently and you see people together it's like what what is this magical thing stop holding hands like stop like you know I mean? uh, that there's that like, anxiety there as well but um yeah i read a i read an article about a uk reporter who went to sweden where they haven't had any um significant lockdown stuff and I forget it was, I don't know the person's pronouns, but they were, the this interviewer, or this reporter was like, it was shocking to them in a way they didn't think, they didn't even think about when they just walked down the street and there was a hundred people in a bar somewhere. They're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Get out of there. That's what it's like watching TV now too. Everybody's like shaking hands and touching <laughs> things. Yeah. I, 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 I'll move on from lockdown because I think lockdown questions can be a bit depressing, uh, especially at the start of a podcast. Uh, and I've got Mark Marin to compete with. Uh, so um, um, you met in New Jersey as well. Can you tell me about the band's origins and how you met each other and we started playing your instruments? Uh, Mike and I grew up together uh, in Elizabeth, New Jersey. And we started our first band in like, I guess I had just gone to college, so like 2004 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then that band lasted for like almost a year, maybe a little less. And then I met Jarrett um, my sophomore year of college. And um, long story short, we were both members of a club that used um, university money to put out like a local band compilation. And so I met Jarrett at a meeting um, about the comp. And then he introduced himself because he liked my <laughs> oh wow oh yeah this is an archival <laughs> photo that recently came up amazing of that oh, early band so weird <laughs> it was like a melting into the stage uh, <laughs> and then jared joined our band jared joined our old band for a while that didn't last very long um we had a keyboardist at the time and he le- i'm actually drawing a portrait of a keyboardist daughter right now oh my <laughs> the former keyboardist uh and so we um he he left he left the band and then it was just the three of us and and we wrote one song one day and we were like why don't we just do it with just three people mm-hmm. and then we renamed the band and and that was it and um like i i love the name screaming females as well and it's such a um engaging uh, uh band name but how, how do you what's the process of selecting a band name because it's a huge precedent to get like it it, it it sums up the next like uh, your whole career as well what uh, how do you know it's the right name as well do you all come to a collective decision or did you how did you come about it i don't think we really put like too much thought into it and which is probably I assume that like 90% of bands don't put that much thought into it. Uh, our our real um, goal was just to have a band name by the time we played our first show. So we needed one uh, really quickly because I think we had a show like that 
our first show like that coming weekend or something. So we just kind of pulled it out of a, a book of poetry that was at Jared's house um, and then didn't really think that much more of it until a million people started asking us why we're called Screaming Females. I think when you introduce um, like sex and gender into a band name, it gets, it really confuses people a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there is the one in the book or the name of the poem or the name of the writer. I don't know. No, no idea. We were just like, no that's idea. fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. uh, there is one important step, though, in uh, choosing a band name that we did participate in, which is that uh, the band member who spent the most time in high school writing band names on their notebooks has to try to mimic that with your new chosen band name. And that was Marissa. So there was like, there was a couple pages of a notebook with various other options written in bubble letters and. Definitely uh, have it. <laughs> so I it passed the bubble letter font test. Yeah. yeah. I genuinely thought, cause when I was a teenager and at school, I, um, I would, uh, we would have like, um, like those notebooks and at the back of it, I would write like lyrics down and, and stuff like that. And like with band names, I thought it was just me to be honest, but uh, it's nice that uh, this is a, a whole. Uh, yeah, you gotta. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I might look back through uh, some of my old planners uh, and uh, just find, um, just find some uh, old band names. Uh, I might start my own band as well. Uh, no, yeah, I think yeah. I wrote out like the lyrics to every Radiohead album. <laughs> <laughs> There's it's, like. It's a very big book. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, Chris is pretty old, so they didn't have as many albums back then. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, like the, the Clash and uh, Talking Heads, supposedly both, uh, when they were choosing their band names, they like spray painted them on t-shirts and walked around with the t-shirts in the cool area of town first to see if people were like, oh, is that a band? They're like, yeah, yeah, they're new. They're cool. <laughs> yeah, oh there's no, no cool area of town. The coolest area of town I could think of was my Trapper Keeper. Yeah, the notebook. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's really cool. Like, uh, I like the way the Clash did it as well. It's like uh, kind of early Twitter, if anything. But uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, obviously, yeah, you kind of came together in New Jersey. But like, obviously, New Jersey has been a, a home for a lot of uh, amazing music as well. Is it much of a? Do you feel there was much of a, a breeding ground there, or like, uh, do you feel there's a sense of legacy in terms of um, the the area, the music? I think that a lot of people who are from New Jersey feel a little bit slighted because you're like crunched into these two major metropolitan areas that are like globally celebrated. Mm -hmm. And then you're kind of just stuck in New Jersey and it's easy to get to both of those cities, but it's not. Those being New New York and Philadelphia. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, so you get, you get the benefits of kind of like being exposed to these like major cultural hubs but then you kind of like go home to your normal kind of boring suburban life. For the and when you part. go to those major cultural hubs, everybody shits on you for being from New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. We grow up with like a, a major chip underdog on. mentality, like chip on our shoulder kind of thing. Like every, everybody I know from New Jersey, like will rep it so hard because, and like we'll, we'll back anything from New Jersey super hard just because yeah, I feel like we have to almost. So New Jersey has this weird cultural thing where uh, it's not like uh, you know a one of the boxy uh, states out in the plains of the U.S. You know, it's like mm-hmm. it's a fairly uh, progressive kind of liberal place, but it's not like 
San Francisco or something, you know, it's not like, it's not like there's community theater that takes you in as a child and lets you put on your first production, (laughs) you know, like stuff like that. It's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, we, you know, we, we love the boss. He speaks for the people, you know, Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) And then you're like, I want to be in a band too. You're like, are you the boss? You're not going to be in a band. You can't live up to the boss. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> sorry are you not the boss because i thought i thought this was, was, uh, sorry uh, i was very awkward now isn't it uh, uh, but uh, yeah it's um yeah uh, so have is there any like um have you ever found yourself part of that tribalism where you're like oh i don't like that band is it ju- oh is it just because they're from that other place as well have you ever felt like that absolutely yeah. and uh there's bands that uh shall rename nameless <laughs> that uh that you're like I don't. I have no idea if I would have loved this band the way I do if I hadn't grown up going and seeing them at shows, and because they were a local band that we could see play regularly, and and uh, we're pretty good friends with Steve Albini. And at one point, we were kind of talking about concepts sort of like this with him, and he brought up a very important point, which is that there's a lot of reasons to like a band. Mm-hmm. And being friends with the people in it is high on that list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, um, yeah. And I, yeah, it really adds. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's, um, I think it's really important to like, see those, uh, like, those live shows in your hometown. Because I, I, we talked off, uh, off air about um, me going to see you in Newcastle. And that was such a thrilling thing. Uh, but I actually live about an hour away from Newcastle. So I traveled up to see it. But that's close to my closest uh, place to see it. And I live in the countryside. So I don't have that access. But as soon as I hit teenager, uh, as when I turned into a teenager, I was able to access, like, hit, go on a train to see stuff. It blew my mind just to have that uh, sense of, um, like, you, you can tap into this live thing as well. It's really, it was very meaningful. And uh, it's great when American acts, especially we, I saw you at Clooney too, and the Clooney too um, gets a lot of like American acts to come over. And I think it's, it's just nice that um, people made the effort to come over. It's really nice. Um, but oh, yeah. um, in terms of uh, live shows as well, um, we, we also mentioned uh, uh, the tour lifestyle as well. Obviously, you know, doing any tours at the moment, but like uh, uh, what's, um, what's the greatest thing about going on tour? What's, uh, what's the thing that you love the most? Um, well, I I look forward to, well, there are a lot of really really good friends we've had for the entirety of uh, our existence that we only get to see like once or twice a year. So Mm -hmm. look forward to seeing a a great lot of people across the United States, but mostly I just look forward to playing. (laughs) And across the world. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing new places that I never would have gone to if it wasn't for this band. So, um, are you the are you I can kind of my friends? Yeah, uh, are you the kind of people who um, go if, if you go to a new city? Do you go and try and explore as much of it as possible during the day, or do you like to like relax beforehand? It just kind of depends on what our day is like. I mean, typically we spend our days driving, so if we're going someplace new, um, we'll do our our best, you know, to see as much as we can with the time that we have, but. Um, Usually, I mean, our, our main focus is just making sure that the show goes well. Yeah. We're doing any extracurriculars. I'll tell you what, I've, um, I've definitely done a gig before uh, on tour where I was like, um, yeah, I can have the afternoon off. And then the gig's just not as good on the night. You know, I don't know. I should have definitely prepped beforehand as well. But, uh, <laughs> it's, um, uh, yeah, there's, you know, aside from all the things that touring has enabled us to do on, on a personal level, uh, there's also just the, 
like Mike was talking about earlier, the purpose of it, it really is fulfilling and gives you a sense of purpose to uh, have this very clear goal every day. And there's not a lot of other avenues in life that give you such an immediate sense of purpose and accomplishment or failure. You know, sometimes you go in there, you're like, this is going to be the greatest set ever. And then it's not, and you're like, well, yeah. mess that one up. And then it's done. You know, it's not like, it's not like some project at work where they're like, oh, you messed that up. You got to fix it tomorrow. You're like, oh, well, no, that's it. We're, we packed up. We're out of here. There's no, <laughs> no, it's like, all right, get, get the drum back on stage. We're going to do it again. And you're going to do it whether you like it or not. Okay. Yeah. So that, that sense of purpose and that really like just a, you know, uh, accomplishment or defeat and it is definitive and then you move on is, uh, is like just really nice as compared to a lot of other things in life that are so open-ended and vague about whether they matter or not. For a comedian, I, when you first start out, you do a lot of weird gigs in weird places. Uh, so what was one of the weirdest venues that you've played as a band? We've played so many weird You're Right? <laughs> it's unbelievable. I have a running total right now. I just recently finished. Oh, yeah. What's that? We played like a, a bondage sex warehouse type place. Yep. There was a, yeah, it was a, a legal venue that was being not, that was by the port in Long Beach, California, which is the big, one of the biggest ports in the world. So it's like, you just, it's just miles and miles and miles of just cranes and tr- trucks and tractor trailers. And at night, one of those buildings turns into a S&M club that probably fits like three or 400 people. And we played there when it was not an S&M night. It was just punk rock night at the yeah, club. Yeah, I got fleas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Marissa slept in an old bed in the, in the back room. I make love there. <laughs> it's a very good point though because you know uh, I think I, yeah I was in the back with their cats and I, th- I don't think the fleas are in the lovemaking areas whatever people do yeah. <laughs> not around anymore R.I.P. yeah yeah great spot loved it yeah and is there any like places where you look forward to going on uh, tours it's a one like place you're like oh I, that, that, that crowd's always really good um, is there like that one place where you go oh we have so many good places. It's really, it's really such an honor to be able to go to these spots. I was just thinking about, cause I've been doing this cataloging all our shows. Oh yeah. Uh, and I was just went through and was thinking a lot about New Zealand. The first time we went to New Zealand, we were kind of like, it was such a whirlwind trip. I was really sick while we were there. It was an amazing place to see, but I kind of like didn't really even register that we were there. So the second time we went back, we got to go to the South Island. We got to, really experience a lot more with people there and what an incredible place there's like no place on earth like it and it's just stunning to me that we're able to go to new zealand and like in auckland there's like 100 150 people there to see our it's like unbelievable it's like so so it's not like the biggest crowd or the most receptive crowd but it's just one that it just just seems like you're on the other side of the earth which you are and on a completely different environment and all of that. And it's just so surreal to be there and just, you're like, Oh, you guys know who we are. Yeah. Uh, coronavirus. Yeah. And they got rid of coronavirus too. So. Yeah. It's, um, so they're never allowing us back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, well, what, what great PR for your band though. Like, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, um, 
like uh, with in comedy, sometimes you get like people heckling, and then that's people like shouting on stage as well. And I guess like that's obviously part of gig. But do you ever get people who request like a song, like who are not aggressive, but that do it's really like a song which people request more than any others, or people who shout out and during gigs or anything like that. Yeah, you have a friend, Colin. Of a Taylor Swift song. Oh yeah, yeah. I was just going to point out our good friend Colin, who comes to our shows and just screams for this one old song that we rarely play because we can't play it well, no matter how many years <laughs> it's been since we played it. He'll scream it between every song, and that's a friend of ours. So. Now, which <laughs> which song is that? May I ask? Uh, what the hell's that song called? Is it Bang Bang Bitter Today and Today and Treat your Collins, there it is. <laughs> oh yeah, like because his name is in it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that yeah. is true, Mike. Yeah, that is why I never thought of that before. He's probably like you named it after me. Name's in it. Colin, if you're listening yeah. right now, we love I you. I always thought it would be cool. You know how people like to yell "Freebird" at bands? Yeah. I always thought it'd be cool to just learn like a faithful cover of Freebird, like every minute of it. And somebody says it, be like, "All right, you asked for this, and here it goes seven minutes of Freebird." Oh my God, we only need to invite some guests up. I know it would actually be pretty fucking fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Freebird rocks. You, yeah. You've, you've got like a you've got the normal setup, but then if someone requests it, like it unfolds, like you got the fuck a full band. <laughs> 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 It costs a ridiculous amount to move around, but it's worth it just for that one person who shouts it out on the tour. I appreciate it. I just wanted to ask a little bit about like uh, like uh, recording and like albums and stuff like that. So uh, uh, when like when you start writing a new album, is it like are, are you always writing and creating songs, or are you um uh what's what's your process to kind of like create a new album? Um, I think that we uh write with a lot of. Uh, with the intention like when we have when because we tour so much we can't really write on the road because mm-hmm. we spend most of our days driving obviously um, and so when we get home and, a, and an album cycle is done you know like we've kind of uh, gone on a bunch of like national tours and maybe like went to the UK Europe and stuff like that um, then we'll start being like hey let's let's start kicking around some new ideas so Usually someone will just like bring a riff or time signature or even a melody to mm-hmm. band practice and then just kind of expands from there. So it, it, it's happened like a ton of ways. Like Mike's brought songs that are like fully written and I've brought songs that are like fully written. And then we just kind of like uh, move through them and, and compose them like as a group. Yeah. So is it always kind of a, uh, has it always been a collaborative thing as well? Like, is it always important to have that kind of input from all different sides or like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us have any interest in being in a band where there's like one songwriter who just kind of like, yeah, brings in a finished song and then everyone else just accompanies them. Like that's yeah. not really fun or satisfying. Yeah. The, I mean, it's fun. It's, it's a fine model. There are a lot of bands who do it great, but it's never really been uh, on our on our docket. I feel like that's often what makes a band good or special. It's like mm-hmm. the, you know, everybody's got different ideas of how music should sound. And if it's a singular vision, it sometimes, for me, I feel like sometimes it gets kind of boring. It, like, yeah. it, I feel like bands almost need that sort of, I don't know, tension or something. Yeah. 
tension makes it sound shitty, but like, I don't no, know. No, no. Yeah. Explain. At, and just having different, just having different, like different people to bounce ideas off of. So you don't become so, uh, you don't like start leaning on different crutches when it comes to songwriting and or, be, or becoming lazy or you know not mm-hmm. challenging yourself. So I think that we all try and challenge each other in terms of of writing. Um, yeah, that's a really good. That's a nice thing to kind of inspire in one another as well. Um, but like, I, I'm quite. Uh, I'm not that knowledgeable about the album recording process. Like, but what's the longest an album's taken to record as well? Has there been any albums which have been like, oh, like that one took such a long time to do or it was hard like, to kind of get the finishing touches on? For us? Yeah. The actual recording process is usually, you know, a week or two for us because mm-hmm. we book the time in advance and it's really expensive to, to be in a studio. Mm-hmm. So they all kind of take a similar amount of time to record, but the writing process is what really drags on. And then we also do like tons of demos before we actually record it. So that when we go into the studio, we know exactly what we want to record because we already, we already recorded all of those parts two or three times. I love seeing behind the, the, the scenes as well. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I was just listening to a couple of demos today because you released singles too uh, last year as well. And uh, um, obviously, a lot of that's like uh, like B sides or uh, like demos and stuff like that. Also, it has pretty okay on it, which is uh, 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 amazing. Uh, but like, uh, uh, yeah. So, um, uh, what was uh, the kind of influence about putting that um, that album out as well? Because it's like, obviously different from the others as well. It's just a compilation of all the non-album tracks. We had a CD called Singles for mm-hmm. a long time, and those were selling out. And then we had another five or six songs, so we thought. Let's can let's expand on it. Yeah, exactly. And it's a nice uh, it's a nice thing to do on like a off year to keep you know put out something that's interesting and worthwhile. It's not like just putting crap out into the world, uh, but without having to invest in the time to go into a studio to record a new album and all that, we can still be touring a lot and put out something that already uh, exists but in various different formats. And now it's in one singular format. And there's even, there's a track or two on there that have never been put out physically before at mm-hmm. all. Um, so that's cool to have those out in a physical format because as much as we feel like the world exists, everything that's online will be online forever. It's kind of crazy. Like when you try to go back and find certain things and they're just mm. gone, you're just like, Oh my God. The solar flare. Yeah. Solar flare. On your vinyl. <laughs> For the solar flare. Well, at least now the pandemic has like slightly prepared us for the solar flare, you know? Nothing will prepare us for the solar flare. <laughs> That's the title of this episode. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, in, in terms of like, I uh, obviously you've been like um, you put your first album out in two thousand six as well. So like obviously that's a that's and a lot of back catalogs as well. And uh, uh, so what's what do you think the biggest difference between um, where you are now and when that first album was released as well. How do you think you've evolved as a band? Well, now I can't leave my house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I didn't mean necessarily physically, but I meant like... Uh... <laughs> I just feel sick of being in here. I'm sorry. <laughs> the first album was almost 15 years ago, so I feel like we're all probably different people completely at this mm-hmm. point. It's hard to even... Hard to even to quantify that do you ever like there's a different um 
there's a different what am i trying to say it's almost like a goal but that's like maybe the wrong word but essentially when you're putting out your first album what's what's your goal you're like oh oh my god like i never thought i would contribute to this sort of ongoing library and history that is music you know you're just like mm-hmm. i can't believe i've made it to this step where i get to contribute in this way that is something that i've been so involved in and now here it is it's my first chance to step into that arena and i'll be in some form in in that history forever now um in a way i wasn't when you have six or seven albums you don't have that 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 same sort of it's not the same feeling like that mm-hmm. uh but it's some so what are you what are you going for you have to go for something different and uh that's always an evolving interesting question as to what that is and it's not always i feel like interviewers when you come out with a new album they're like what was the what was the the context of this what was this what, what kind of inspirations you guys have and it's not always something that's easily put into words but you do have to, to keep it interesting at least for myself mm-hmm. have to feel like you're bringing your you know you still have to have that fire but it can't be the same fire that you had when you were 21 years old and you'd never put out an album before yeah you have to kind of keep it fresh for yourself uh especially uh, yeah uh, as a comedian uh, if you but when you by yourself as well uh, and you're doing the same jokes over and over i guess with music it's different and you're playing with uh, bandmates but yeah if you're doing the same jokes over and over it can get really stale really fast so you have to kind of put stuff in there for you to kind of keep it fresh and uh, and make it as good as your last show as well yeah, I know. It's kind of like, it's like, you know, the first time you got on stage you're, as a comedian and perform in front of people, whether or not it goes well, you're just like, well, well now I'm in this arena, you know, you work yeah. so hard to get there, but then you've been doing it 10 years. Your goal is not just like get on stage, <laughs> which it once was, you know, so you yeah. have to have a different, a different goal in mind. And that might not be something as specific as get more laughs or something, but it, <laughs> it has to feel like, it has to feel like there's some sort of reason for you being there kind of related uh, to um the, the previous question though like uh, with all the albums uh, not only do you have the, you have the screaming female sound but you also have like what i love uh, in particular is like your album artwork is always so uh, vivid and uh, like unique i think uh, there's a, and also there's an artistry all the way through which kind of links it as well so um uh, is it marissa who does uh, do you do all the artwork for it as well me yeah and uh, um so do you have a um, do, you, do you all do you just did you just um, create the title and just like go, uh, how do you create that album artwork? Um, I spend most of my day drawing pretty much all of it. So, yeah. um, so usually I'll just like, when we have a new album that's about to come up, come out, I'll usually like go through my old sketch pads that we, that I had worked in while we were like writing the album mm-hmm. and see if there's something in there that I think would suit the, the album art well. So that, that's pretty much been my, approach for all of them across the board but that's rude. That's rude. I usually don't pull an old, an old drawing out i usually will just like make something new oh that's really cool uh, sorry and also i feel like you you try to make uh an effort to make each one different in its own way so that it's not yeah just which is getting thing. harder but <laughs> <laughs> next no, but- next album i'm just gonna put this friggin baby yeah. on it <laughs> I look forward to that's the name of the album too this friggin baby careful got great hair look at this baby's hair (laughs) I can say it's um, like really nice I'm I'm genuinely really impressed when people can draw well I'm like whoa you know what I mean I (laughs) I could do that um um, but yeah, um, well, we're going to probably uh, wrap up relatively soon, but I've got some emergency questions, uh, some like a quick fire questions. Are you all up for them? Yep, yeah. let's do it. 
Okay, uh, so uh, if you had to do a brand new cover song today, which one would you like to do the most? Uh, Freebird. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you just got all the new layouts, so you might as well. Uh, <laughs> what, is, what is the first album that each of you bought? Uh, first one that I bought or that I was like given as a gift? Uh, well, um, it bought you something that you've gone out to get yourself. Uh, I don't know for sure, but the first one I have a vivid memory of is Adam Sandler's What the Hell Happened to Me. <laughs> uh, well, I'm imagining it had such a profound Mine was uh, DMX's It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Oh, lovely stuff. We still have is, that copy. <laughs> I love him. It's Ixnay on the Ombre from, by, by The Offspring. Yes, I was, I was actually listening to that the other day as well. Um, Great. Right, here's a lockdown special question. Sorry about this, Marissa. Um, if, you, um, if you had to pick any free musicians to do a lockdown with and had to live with them for the whole lockdown, which free musicians would you pick? It can be anyone. Oh, yeah, Mike, Mike and Marissa, and then we don't even <laughs> yeah. need a third person. <laughs> well, like uh, actually, I'm the third person, but we don't yeah. need anyone else. But even if you, can't, if you might try to say right now, other than us, but it's not. This is their only answer. This is distinctly the answer. I'm <laughs> answering for everyone here. <laughs> You should get like us, and then if we have to pick up there, just someone who's like insane, like Bootsy Collins. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Funny. No, that, that's a dynamic I would pay to see. Yeah. The 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 auxiliary percussionist from the Feelies or something. Yes, or the or the clown from Slipknot. <laughs> you mean clown? Slip. Yeah. He plays the kegs. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I was like, I'm trying oh, to okay. think of what we could add to our sound. The kegs. Yeah. Yeah. They sound great. I, I'm not sure if this applies to you, but like, uh, uh, and I do apologize, the genuinely quite boring question, but uh, what is the most mundane thing you've ever thought about on stage whilst you're playing? Have you got that? Have you felt that before? Oh, yeah. It's There's so many. Doing our laundry. Yes, yeah. Um, the I think about food a lot, but I don't know if food's that mundane. I'm just like, hmm, dinner was, could have been better than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, think about what we ate a lot. Yeah, but you know what? That 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 question's always a risk because sometimes people are like, oh, "I'm just concentrating on stage." It's like that's you know, I'm the kind of performer that always thinks about other things at the same time. Yeah, the second <laughs> I concentrate is that's when I mess up. Yeah, <laughs> the thing that I think about mo- most often that's somewhat mundane. It's more like minutia than mundane. Is that uh, one of the screws or input? jack pieces on the back of marissa's cab is loose yeah and uh in front of it you can't hear it but behind it it sounds like and uh, i've been hearing it for years and uh, just like i should get up when this sets over and tighten that thing up and then i never do so it just loosens itself again because it's so loud <laughs> genuinely this is the kind of content i've been dying to ask you i love this stuff sure. I'm like, um, Mike, what are you thinking about? I bet you got some some real thoughts going on. Uh, I don't know. Try I try and think about nothing, and then yeah. I start to think about uh, what I'm playing, and then I fuck up. Sometimes <laughs> I'll see a song halfway through the set list, and I'll be like, "Shit, do I even know how to play that song?" So I start <laughs> playing the song we're playing, but thinking about how to play the song two songs from now. Yeah, I do that too. Oh my um, god, that's a yeah. surefire way to destroy myself is when that <laughs> when that moment happens so i really try to not look forward in the set list because uh if i do the song poorly when we play it 
then I was going to do it poorly anyway if I knew it was coming or not. But if I know it's coming, then I'm probably going to mess up the thing I'm doing right now as well. Mm. Um, so in terms of like creating set lists as well, do you like do you try and pick songs you haven't played for a while to kind of like challenge yourself in that way, or are you like do you like to have a, like um a, a tour? Do you like to have a kind of a template? Um, we usually will like have a bunch of practices before a tour where we'll like go through um, a great deal of songs so that we can have like you know 50 to 60 to choose from um and then i just write the set list before the show every night um and then some you know sometimes we'll work in some older ones that we haven't played in, in that long so that we can include them on the tour but now that we have just so many damn songs it's hard to be able to remember and, and perform them all without yeah. practicing them yeah. before we leave so yeah, when we get back from this, we're going to have to like relearn yeah, the songs that we always hard. considered as just the ones we always know. I'm going to be like, Belle? How does that song hey. go? <laughs> I might start just practicing by myself so I don't forget. Um, did, have you ever, like, have you ever gotten like, um, like you mentioned it before, but like, have you ever had to look up like, uh, like online to see how you play your own songs and stuff like that? Like, oh, all the time, yeah. Oh my. Because in my head, I guess you just know it like that. But yeah, I guess it does go unless you write it down somewhere. Well, you know, we're 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 senior citizens now. <laughs> it's going. Yeah. Well, just work. get your planner out and get your trapper keeper out, and uh, it's all there. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like when you're in school, and at some point you walk up to your locker that you've had the same locker for like uh, three years, and you look down at it, you're like, what "The hell's the combination for this locker?" I have that nightmare all the time. <laughs> That's how it feels sometimes. You play the same song, you played it like 500 times. And I grab the sticks and I look up and I'm like, Mike, how does this one go? And he's like, it's the one that's like boom, 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 boom. I'm like, oh, okay, got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And so, um, like, feel free to not to answer this, but has there only been any catastrophic times on stage where you just like, I I can't remember how to do this? Um, Can we, like, has there been any massive fuck ups? Oh, yeah. yeah. All the time. There's there's one I remember off the top of my head because it was such a big fuck up that um, I couldn't have imagined that Marissa would be fucking up that bad. So out loud, I said something different, and she was like, "Oh, thanks for covering for me." And I was like, "I was covering for you," because I was like, she tried to she started this song, and it was bad, so she stopped, and we were playing in front of a thousand people. Everybody's like, yeah. Uh, uh. That's like weird silence. So then she like hits her tuner and tunes, starts it up again. And it's still bad and stops. And now everybody kind of laughs. And she's like, sorry, everybody. And I'm like, hey, from behind the drum set, the third time it happened, I was like, Marissa, is something wrong with your tuner? She's like, I guess so. And then later when we got off stage, she was like, I just couldn't remember how to play the song. I was like, really? I thought it was really just that badly. <laughs> oh, bless. There was that one time also where I couldn't see that, you know, when like you're on the boss chromatic tuner, if you're sharp, it'll just put a little dot next to the, oh, to the oh, note. Yeah. And I guess one of my instrument cables was like over where the little dot came up. So we kept starting the song and I would like, my A was like an A sharp instead of an A and I kept tuning it and I was just like, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. And I just kicked the cable out of the way and I was like, I hate myself. I wish I was dead. Yeah. One time we were recording live. It was like a whole recorded thing with an audience being broadcast live on the radio and being recorded to be put on uh, later on a 
YouTube slash podcast that eventually took a different form and became very popular. So it might even exist in their archives somewhere uh, where I started a song and then just couldn't play it. And uh, we've got about halfway through and then just had to stop. And uh, he was like, well, okay. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I went out and cried in the van afterwards. Um. Of less. I heard that guy's a men's rights activist now, though. So. Yes, that's uh, okay. Fuck him. He doesn't yeah. deserve a whole song. Oh, my God. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's uh, been a genuine delight to chat to all of you. I, I appreciate your time as well. Um, but where can people find you online and where can people download uh, your music? Hey, you can find us. You type in the words screaming females. <laughs> we've, we've made it through uh, a really important milestone, which is that more often our band comes up than porn sites now. <laughs> <laughs> a tricky couple of first years. Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> I, I, I have a podcast called Myths, which is spelled M-I-F-F-S, which is a... Um, yeah, is a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can already see where that's going wrong as well. Like, uh, the, uh, it's, you right next to the I, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's problematic. But, uh, but yeah... Um, yeah, and uh, where, is there a kind of a preference where people, uh, if if wants to buy albums, where would you like them to go? Screamingfemales dot com. Uh, yep, and Mike in this basement that you see him in right now—that's where the the product will come from. Oh, really? Because I've I've been trying to figure out what what's down there. Kind of looks like a yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, a little tour. Yeah, you know what? I would actually. That'd be like I was going to wrap right. up, but this is fast. I'm, I'm interested actually. Like, this is this is my desk. It's extremely messy. There's uh-huh. a spray bottle on it. We've got uh That was also the uh, the postage printer down there. Uh, we've got stickers, pins, patches, buttons. We got all the LPs. CDs. Oh my god! We got a bunch of T-shirts. I've been I've been mixing ink the whole time. Well, I've been multitasking. Sorry, that was kind of rude, huh? No, no. Well, to be honest, I I thought it was really like uh, I I didn't want to. I did notice it, but I didn't want to call out. I was, I was very interested to what you were doing, but I didn't want to call attention to it. So <laughs> I, I, I wasn't sure if you were making meth or something like that. Just uh, <laughs> but, um, That would be pretty cool. You just like, <laughs> casually. Yeah, you make more money that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Screaming Females. Thank hey, you. thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to that episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did making it. And if you do enjoy it, once again, please give us five stars on iTunes and tell a friend. I've been Matt Hoss, and we'll see you next time for Matt Hoss Talks to People Likes. Goodbye!